In these harrowing times, three young women step forth to debunk myths floating around the internet and the world. I'm Nancy, the public health professional. I'm Bess, the librarian. I'm George, the rock scientist. This is The Triple Hoax. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Triple Hoax. I'm your host for today, Nancy. I'm Bess. I'm George. Yes, so um, we're going to get into it. And our question for this week is, why do people change historical facts? Um, I picked this topic out. Uh, I wanted to talk about it because... I got really irritated about ancient aliens, which <laughs> seems like really not something yeah. you should get that irritated about, but it did. I'll explain I, to you why you should get so irritated, listeners. That's true. We'll explain that a little later in this episode. Yes. Um, I just want to forewarn everyone, in case this sounds a little awkward, it's because we're re-recording this first intro part. Uh, we had some technical difficulties yes. with our first recording, so hopefully I don't sound like a robot this time around. <laughs> um, yes. So we're back at it. Um, and I picked this topic because once I got annoyed about ancient aliens and I started like looking into this dumb his- history channel show, <laughs> I realized a lot of other people had a problem with it in the same way that I did. And of course, like many good, like, dives into knowledge it also started with a tumblr post where someone made a really good point about it uh-huh. and like we said i will talk about it later in the episode um but let's kick it i'm gonna kick it off with the definition of historical revisionism which is technically um like the def the technical definition of people changing historical facts um so there's two different kind of working definitions um Historical revisionism usually refers to the negative aspect of changing history, historical facts, which is actually called historical negationism, which is a fancy mm-hmm. way of saying like uh, historical denial. And um, the formal definition is just an illegitimate distortion of the historical record. So, historical. So like, like, yeah. Holocaust deniers is what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Um, people who deny the Armenian genocide, um, people who say that um, we didn't put Japanese people in internment camps ro- during World War II, which we absolutely did. Spoiler alert, we did. We did. <laughs> yeah. Who says we didn't? Like, seriously? Come on. I know, it's horrible. You I can go I, visit them still. Yeah. Not so, the people. I, I don't the know. Camps. No, no, the camps. <laughs> like, just, like, the usual suspects, I feel like. People who are really prone to conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. And let's be real, mostly white people. Like, mm-hmm. um, so, like, uh, historians are a really, like, cool bunch of people, I would say. Um, from my nerdy perspective, they are an academic community. They have a lot of really rigorous standards for evidence and um and a method and a way that they do things so history isn't just um a bunch of stories that some people just randomly told and then agreed on it's like done in a methodical way Mm -hmm. so when you negate or deny history you're actually kind of spitting in the face of a bunch of really smart people who like 
methodically figured this shit out. So it's kind of, it's super obnoxious and it's also a lot of other horrible things. Um, we'll talk about later. Yeah. yeah. We'll get into the sort of anti-intellectualism later. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, historical revisionism in general, though, is just about um, how historians go back and rethink about history and maybe make modifications to the historical record because new facts come out or mm -hmm. um, new technology comes around so that they can like carbon date things or they can yeah. um, predict um, with better accuracy. I have a great example of that actually. Um, so y'all know I'm a rock scientist um, and one of the greatest frauds of the um, geologist, paleontologist world, I'm sure many of you heard of it, it's called the Piltdown Man. And back in the late 1800s, they, um, this guy from England in Sussex found what he believed to be um, the link between men and um, monkeys, basic apes, whatever you want to call them. And um, there was a lot of speculation and like it was informally like discredited and it, they thought it was a hoax, but no one could like definitively prove it until in 1949, I think, um, carbon dating was finally sophisticated enough that they tested the bones and found that they were only like 50,000 years old. Bonus, so the guy, the guy, right, yeah. yeah, but it's not what the guy was claiming it to be, which was like, right, right, birth, right. like 10, 12 million years old. How old are humans, George? Is that what you just said? Like how old are Basically, humans? yeah. Like <laughs> more than more than twelve million, I believe. Like because, as we know them, twelve yeah. million, twelve million. Right. Um, but uh the really kind of fucked up thing about that is the guy, um, it was a hoax, but he did it by like he took he like grave robbed, basically. What? He like took some I think he took a jawbone and like some leg bones from a human in like a local graveyard and then he like Put it with the old bones? No, he, well, yeah, he fused it with like an ape or something, but with carbon dating, you can't get any more specific if it's younger than 50,000 years. So he was like, this is younger than 50,000 years old. Mm. Basically. Amazing. So, yeah. So, you know, that's revisionist. They were like, oh, yeah, this is bullshit because, and now we know it for sure because we have the technology to call bullshit. Yeah, right. technology. Yeah, yeah, that happens a lot also <clears throat> with um like religious relics, quote unquote, where people are like, This is the shroud of Tureen. And the <laughs> scientists like test it and are like, nah, no, it isn't. Or like this is the wood from the cross that Jesus carried, and everyone's like, mm -hmm. oh. nah, man. Nah. Sounds like yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so like so historians usually like use a lot of like criteria and stuff to go back and make any changes towards history. Mm -hmm. and also some of history is about um, like telling the stories or perspectives of people who were neglected during that era of mm -hmm. history you're talking about and like speaking about it from their point of view, which yeah. usually creates a different kind of narrative. Um, narrative. Yeah. And so there's, so there's yeah. positive revisionism and mm -hmm. negative revisionism yeah. right right and well, um, one, of the, one of the key things of historical revisionism that makes it negationism i discovered is that 
if you change a, like the moral meaning of the historical mm. record, like mm. all of a sudden, like people who were really bad are all of a sudden the good guys or like they mm. were, you know, actually doing the right thing or like, mm-hmm. um, and people get really bent out of shape when you're like, actually, we said they were really good, but now we find that they're really awful. Like, that's usually the kind of stuff that gets people really right all up in arms. They get them. They get them in the revisionist mood. Yeah, or should I say, the <laughs> negationism mood? Yeah. was talking about rocks and old bones. (laughs) People who don't think dinosaur bones are real. Yes. Um, I like to call those people idiots. Yes. Yes. That's that's a (laughs) a perfect name for them because, well, it all started a long time ago when (laughs) this guy way back, like back 16 or 1700s, um, decided he wanted to try and figure out how old the earth was by using the Bible. Hmm. Um, And he calculated that the earth was only about 4,000 to 10,000 years old. That's no. And (laughs) in case you didn't know, listeners, that is false. Um, uh, So that was like the first, the seed of um, who we're talking about now which these people we talk about now are called creationists. So they firmly believe that um, humankind and the earth and everything, the universe was created by a divine being. Um, And thus still, according to the Bible, the earth is not that old, that dinosaurs never existed, that the bones that we find are all a government conspiracy. And so it started a long time ago, 1600s, um, but it was, fueled pretty heavily um, when Darwin came out with his theory of or theory of evolution <clears throat> because, you know, people like thinking back then that, oh man, we come from apes. That can't be true. That's so lowly and yeah, terrible. They got really mad about it. Right. <laughs> well, they can, they died mad about it because it's so humans true. are special. Guys. Right. Yeah. Special right. snowflakes. Right. Um, so, uh, it's we splintered back then. It like people splintered and had their own beliefs, and um, 
I know we've talked about this before, but so basically creationists deny evolution, die, deny the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have people who like have the middle ground where they are like, it's basically like the clockwork universe where they're like, oh yeah, God caused the Big Bang and so on and so forth, which I mean, we don't know. But that's, that's a whole different podcast. So seems yeah. unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Triple hoax. As our resident atheist. <laughs> yeah um so yeah the um and yeah so creationists they deny literally the history of the universe and we have right. to add like everyone who almost everyone who's gone to school in the u.s will say will tell you that um there's always like at some point a passing nod to creationism in school yeah. and it's super upsetting yeah. because with separation of church and state like you shouldn't like like Bess has like really helpfully pointed out like you shouldn't deny kids from knowing things at all but the fact that like creationism is mentioned in like science textbooks when it really should just be brought up on a in philosophy like philosophy or on a case-by-case -case basis instead of putting it at the same in the <clears throat> realm as science right it's not a good idea <laughs> well it's a fundamental like or i would even say willful misunderstanding of what a theory a scientific theory is yeah and so um it just kind of devolves into this whole thing and yeah the thing about it being in science textbooks is all traced back to the texas school yeah. board but that's like a whole yeah. separate thing that we can talk about at a later date yes yeah Bess, what, what did you kind of find on this topic? Is there anything you... Well, why don't we take a quick music break? Love mm -hmm. it. And then when we come back, I will talk to you guys about revisionist history and negation in kids' literature. Oh. Bump this. I want to talk to you. The last time we talked, Mr. Smith, you reduced me to tears. I promise you it won't happen again. Do I attract you? Do I repulse you with my queasy smile? Am I too dirty? Am I too flirty? Do I like what you like? Yeah, I could be wholesome, I could be loathsome, guess I'm a little bit shy. Why don't you like me? Why don't you like me without making me try? I try to be like Grace Kelly, mm, but all her looks were too sad. So I tried a little Freddy, mm, I've got an entity in All right, we're back. I hope you enjoyed that uh, sick beat and um, jazzy tunes. <laughs> it was them jazzy tunes. Um, and so now I want to talk about revisionism and negation in children's literature. Ooh. Did you know that there are a lot of revisionist uh, historical ideas in children's literature? Oh, I sure did. A little bit. I had an inkling. Yeah. Let's say an but, inkling. But like, <clears throat> Us, illuminate us further to these horrors. Sure. <laughs> sure. So the first thing I want to mention is that like certain classics mm -hmm. that like probably you read growing up and oh. are like mm -hmm. super um popular still to this day mm -hmm. are a little bit revisionist and kind of squicky now. Mm -hmm. So, like, the Little House series by oh, Lorraine yeah. is uh, pretty bad as far as uh, Native American treatment goes. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say... 
I would I would only say that like those books just haven't aged well. Yeah, um, that's a good to, way to put it. To go along with the whole evangelical conspiracy theorist right wing propaganda thing that George was talking about. Um, there is a series of books, <laughs> chapter books, published uh, by a very famous right-wing talk show host. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> Rush Limbaugh. Uh, and Rush Limbaugh wrote a series of children's books called Rush Revere. Mm-hmm. So think like Paul Revere, but Rush is the first name because the, of Rush Limbaugh. And it's the kid's name, right? No. no, no, no. That's his name. That's the main character's He's name. Is Rush Revere? What? Yeah, of and course. Rush Revere oh, is this teacher. history teacher. Oh, that's right. Okay. Who has a time traveling talking horse <laughs> named Liberty? That's the only reason, listeners, that I was giggling because I know about the talking <laughs> horse. <laughs> Uh, and they go back in time mm-hmm. to like important historical events in American history and learn about these events. But do they actually learn? <clears throat> well, so the books present like a super, super politicized and like propaganda heavy, like interpretation of historical events Mm -hmm. so like um the first book is called rush revere and the brave pilgrims oh no yikes and then the second book that one is obviously about the pilgrims um how they didn't murder a bunch of the mayflower squanto william bradford the first thanksgiving Ah. The second book is uh, Rush Revere and the First Patriots, really? uh, right before the American Revolution. Sure, 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 sure. The third book is a Rush Revere and the American Revolution, so oh, Revolutionary so War. Who about the Rev War? Me. Uh-huh. Okay. And then, so there are five books so far in this series. Rush Limbaugh likes drinking uh, out to bayonets. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah that's the fourth cool. one is Rush Revere and the Star Spangled Banner. Oh my god. So, um Betsy Ross, right? Well, yeah. So they see the writing of the national oh. anthem, Dolly Madison saving the um flag. He owned slaves. That doesn't <laughs> matter. Those are just those are just prisoners with jobs. <laughs> um, and so then this fifth book is Rush Revere and the Presidency. So talking about early presidents like Washington, Adams, and Jefferson. Okay. Um, huh. And <clears throat> I think one of the more disturbing things about these books is the cover art. Mm-hmm. So listeners, we will be putting. Uh, some examples of the cover art on our Facebook page. Absolutely. The thing that gets me about these books is that they're not especially popular, like with kids. Like kids, uh-huh. I believe that. Like kids don't come into the library asking for them. When I worked at Barnes and Noble, kids didn't co- or kids didn't come into the bookstore asking for these books. It was usually like grandparents. I was gonna say it's bad. Who- didn't yeah 
who were like, Rush Limbaugh wrote a kid's book. I better buy that shit up. It's the same people who buy like the books, the Bill O'Reilly Jr. editions of all of his like killing Hitler, killing Hitler series. Yeah. I thought you were um, going to say it's the same people who buy the gold bars from um, what's his face? <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> and um, catheters from a cowboy. Oh, yes. Jesus. Um, I like the calf. I was going to say, like, knowing about those books is interesting. Like, one of our cousins has those. I remember that. Because I'm like, I'm almost 100% positive their mother or our well, our grandfather got it for them. You're talking about Waito? No. Um, oh, okay. Sorry, <clears throat> listeners. Um, we're just dropping some family tea, but I, we family, are uh, we are related judgment. to somebody who owns yeah. one of those Rush Revere um, books. With these books, and then with like other ones, it's like the thing with like negationism and like revisionists is there are those who like flat out deny or say something didn't happen. <clears throat> right. Um, and you just like deny it, like Holocaust deniers, whatever. But then you have people like this who like get everything murky and they stir the pot and they like, yeah, yeah, like, misrepresent facts. So it's much more difficult to like, right. And so yeah. the these books are marketed to kids. And while some aspects of history might be right, you know, might be what is agreed upon, the mm-hmm. like the spin that he's going to put on these events is biased implicitly because he is pushing his own agenda right and i mean they're not well written either there's too many poop jokes uh yeah lots of poop jokes actually the horse poops a lot (laughs) and just like when i first saw them when the first one came out i was like really (laughs) and then i was like well no you know what i should probably give it a chance um you know, you, you never know what right. is going to be good and you never know what kids are going to like. And um, I am a children's librarian listeners. So that's one of the things that I do is I read books that I might not otherwise read because I need to know what the, the children's, what the youths yes. enjoy, my fellow kids, <laughs> um, fellow youths. But um, I read it. I read the first one and I was not impressed. Like it was just, it was really poorly written, even though I'm sure he has a ghostwriter. Of course. (laughs) He just put his name on it. It's a bad ghostwriter though. Like that's sad. You should fire a (laughs) ghostwriter. Or that poor ghostwriter has to work off of his, uh, Oh yeah. His outline. Demented ravings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you were going to say something. Oh, yeah. So I was just going to say, um, it's interesting. It's, it's difficult. And this other, um, source that I looked at howstuffworks.com actually Mm -hmm. was talking about how, like another way you can break down revisionist history that I think is like relevant to this is, um, social or theoretical perspective to reexamine the past through different lenses. Yeah. This is kind of like when, like, say, I know you talked about when you were in grad school best, how like, you would be asked to use different theories to write about different books. Like, yep. you know, it's like a similar idea where they're like, okay, well, like look at the wor- world war two through the eyes of African-Americans and African-American history or. Right. Or examine this book through the lens of queer theory. Um, right. Exactly. <clears throat> and so that's different ways of looking at history 
that are really important and valid because like not everyone sees past events in the same way or not all past events affected everyone similarly. And not everyone's voice is heard. Not everyone's voice is heard, right. So that's one way to do it. Um, and then there's fact-checking perspective to correct the record of past events. So this mm-hmm. is like people using like primary, primary sources, like literally like a letter from someone who was there or mm-hmm. the person who was there and saying, what exactly mm-hmm. happened and like changing it. So like in us history books, it said that we don't know why was it, why, why, um, what's his face shot Kennedy. And now we know the Russians shot Kennedy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. So this mm-hmm. is like record correcting right. in our textbooks. Like listeners, the U S governor, the U S yeah. government knew, but we right. didn't. You listeners, if you didn't know those documents that were unsealed about Kennedy, 50 years after his death confirmed that in fact the Russians shot him. Yeah. So then I mean they had help, but yes. Yeah. Yes. Through the Cubans, the Cubans were helping them mm-hmm. because it was um and then the third one is negative perspective that views revisionism as an intentional effort to falsify or skew past events for spe- specific motives. So like that's I think what the Rush Revere books are because right. Limbaugh is this kind of like voracious, awful right-wing conservative that's become popular in America right now who is trying to over-glorify mm-hmm. and put modern politics on the founding fathers as a way to try to make them like saints that mm-hmm. we shouldn't be um, Critical. ever criticizing. Pointing out, hey, they owned human beings or hey, they wouldn't let women vote or Hey, they, they had the education of, level of a college student yeah. now. Like they they're were a bunch of capitalistic assholes. They're not like Washington, like George Washington's not Jesus, mm-hmm. but that's what he's trying to do. So you know? I maybe then revisionist history is sometimes a defense mechanism of those who feel threatened by change. Right. Or other types of revisionism. Right. right. Like the ones we were talking about, like the more right. academic, like, Yes. You know, let's think about how queer people were treated in World War II or, you know, whatever. Instead of that, it's like a reaction to that. It's like, la, 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 la sticking your fingers in your ears. And- yeah. Right. Speaking of Rush Limbaugh, <laughs> when I was a kid, I found this great book at the library. It was called... Oh, my God. And I didn't know then. I was like, oh, man, this is so exciting. It's a Civil War book. Um, a Civil War book that's like fiction, so it's like a story. Hooray! And looking back, it was written by Newt Gingrich. <laughs> Never call retreat. And I admit, yeah. it's pretty well written, but it's like it's like an AU. He like an a- wrote an AU of the Civil War for fan fiction people who don't know. Fan fiction AUs is alternate universe. It's where you take characters from the original work of writing or fiction or art or whatever and you put the the events and the characters in a different universe so there's like coffee shop au university au super you know those are right there's a bunch of different like standard um alternate universe tropes in fan fiction and so nancy uh, is our fan fiction interpreter yes (laughs) um so yeah yeah george and i are fluent but nancy is the one who's good at interpreting (laughs) (laughs) Um, so like the South still loses, <clears throat> but he like changes key events or like That's something. I don't remember. 
It was like bizarre. I that don't know. That shouldn't be in kids' books. It wasn't. It wasn't a kids' book though. Is the thing. It's like an adult book written by Newt Gingrich. See, it's a whole series of books. Well, yeah, but like that's the thing though is that kids shouldn't be exposed to oh, no. because they can barely understand the yeah. right version, like the quote unquote like right versions of like accepted versions of history to begin with. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> I don't know. I I don't think we should. I don't think we should be censoring what kids read, but I also like, I also feel like, like you said, George, like when you read it, you weren't like, you thought it was just fiction, but you weren't necessarily aware that things were, events were changed when you read it, you know? And I think that's the, that's the important distinction because yeah. We can't tell kids, no, you can't read this. Like that is censorship, and I am, okay. I would fight you to the death over that. But for sure, I definitely think that like there are things <clears throat> like that that maybe need to be just like discussed more. When yeah. you see a kid reading yeah. something like this, you have to be like, oh, hey, do you know what this is based on? Like, isn't this yeah. cool? Yeah. You know, you have to be willing to have conversations yeah. and understand that like Yeah. Yeah. The the solution isn't to get rid of these things. No. Yeah. It's to discuss them honestly. Yes. Yeah. And teach kids, you know, and <clears throat> always like this was always this is always to be critical thinkers. Teach them to be critical thinkers yeah. and to understand like what's the source, who wrote it. Why mm-hmm. did they write it? What do you think they wrote this for? Yeah. When was it written? What sources did they right. use? Right. Big takeaway here. Nancy and I's parents didn't care what we read as long as we were reading. Well, also, they wouldn't let me read Gossip Girl. But, you know, But they whatever. would let me read a revisionist history of the Civil War. They didn't know, probably. Uh, yeah, probably not. Um, so- they just knew that Gossip Girl had sex in it. Yeah, I know. Um. So I love where this is at. And I want to talk about my big beef with revisionist history after we take another little music break. Sweet. Bitch, I'm back. I'm popular the man. Y'all haters corny with that Illuminati mess. Paparazzi catch my fly and my cocky fresh. I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress. I'm so possessive, so I rock his rock necklaces. My daddy Alabama, mama Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama. in my bag swag and we're back yay Yay. we're so glad you're here still um so the thing that motivated me to want to do this episode is um listeners if you dwell on the internet as much as we do Mm. which i'm hoping you do but probably not as much as george we're the best dwellers of the internet Um, (laughs) you make it sound like we're like internet trolls like we live under a bridge that is the internet it's just you, George. Yeah. Um, so if you pay attention to like TV or the internet, um, you may have come across a history channel TV show called ancient aliens. <laughs> uh, and ancient aliens 
one of its major distinctions on the internet is a meme from one of their contributors who believes in aliens who has the craziest hair of anyone who's ever been allowed on television but the show essentially talks about conspiracy theory of why the ancient ancient civilizations or structures ancient structures are the way they are with the added thing of but what if it was aliens mm-hmm. yeah. so can i just in uh yes interject here that my actual father believes in ancient aliens and it's very upsetting to me because he doesn't is- seem to understand like how racist it is oh anyway yeah my mom likes to torment me with saying like but what if and i'm just like but that's don't even say that. Get your that's true. But I don't even like her entertaining that I idea know, because yeah. it's super frustrating. Yeah. So basically, Sorry. the the a great example is that on Ancient Aliens, they talk about how because no one could figure out how the Egyptian pyramids were <laughs> built <clears throat> with the time period that it oh. was. We actually do know, but anyway, that's fine. I know, with the presumable tools that they had, that somehow aliens came down from another dimension, and they helped the Egyptians build the pyramids, or they did it for them. Mm -hmm. Now, like Beth said, we actually do finally know why, or I mean, how they built the pyramids. Well, the other thing that I find super offensive is, like, the idea that not only couldn't these ancient civilizations have done these things themselves, but then that also like, sometimes they posit, like, the go- that the gods that they worshipped were actually aliens. Oh, yeah. That's it's super insulting. It's a two-for-one. So, basically, I saw this, like, really well-written, like, um, blog, po- not a blog post, but something on a thoughtful, like, website that was, like, Listen, the idea of ancient aliens is super racist because consistently all of the civilizations that they're like, hey, maybe aliens helped them do it were brown people. Yeah. Brown people back in the day couldn't possibly be developed and advanced and smart enough to do these amazing, amazing things. And Easter Island. I was going to say Stonehenge. Stonehenge. Um, Mayan pyramids. Those weren't. The Stonehenge? Stonehenge, but like Easter Island, um, Mayan pyramids, mm-hmm. Egyptian, Egyptian pyramids, pyramids, um, the Nazca lines, or the giant. Um, oh my pyramid. god, can we just talk really quick about that bus driver who drove over the oh, Nazca god. lines? Yeah. They did on The That's Bachelor, they did the oh, final god. three dates, the three <laughs> dates, they did them in the Peru. The boring girl got the coolest date, she got to fly over the Nazca lines, and I'm bitter. Was it the girl who was, um, not the marijuana farm girl. Okay. This is the boring girl that looks like Paris Hilton. And oh, she's gross. like, my feelings grow for you. I just feel more withdrawn. That's not how it works, sweaty. Like, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> no, but we digress. But so, so all of these things. Also, the giant hills in Iowa, like the yeah. lines that are like yeah. the lines, or the giant hills from the Missouri. Um, People, era. You yeah. went to see. You went to see them, uh, jo- or Nancy. The, um, yeah, the burial and they're mound. Amazing. They're um, they're huge, and they look like animals. And they're the burial <clears throat> grounds of people from an uh, an ancient civilization that was flourishing and had all this art, and it's amazing. And they just like, but what if it was aliens? Yeah. And it's so 
fucking annoying because they use alien like aliens makes it seem less serious than what they're actually what no like what they're actually um positing they're like but what if they weren't smart enough Mm. what if the white people are the smartest people and when we showed up Mm -hmm. then things could get built and then they made sense and like aztecs and the mayans were like amazingly sophisticated Mm -hmm. way more advanced way more advanced and like the problem is is that actual history does that like actual history in the west that's established does the same thing that these ancient alien fuckers do which is they downplay literally how um they downplay (laughs) how much these civilizations did and knew and how thriving they were like Mm -hmm. the people people knocked the noses off the sphinxes yeah. of ancient Egypt so that no one could see that they had what are considered like black African people. black people noses yeah. because they have Wine this narrative. Noses. Like if you ever see like Egyptian mm-hmm. culture, they oh, have yeah. the golden middle Eastern, they were black people. Yeah. Or they get white people and they like paint them brown and they're done. That's good. But another incident like with that, with insult to injury is in particular Easter Island because mm-hmm. when, the white people got there and they saw these cool statues. They asked the natives, they were like, how did this, how did you do this? How did this work? And they were like, we walked them here. And like, they didn't understand what they meant. And so it became like this thing where they were like, how did it happen? Yeah. The statues walked here. Right. So it's so mysterious when really they just used simple machines to drag them. Yeah. Which literally is walking, walking them, them there. Yeah, they like rocked them back and forth. Anyway, yeah. So to add insult to injury, they're <clears> all not smart enough to be able to do this. And then when they tell people <clears> their <throat> own words, like how they did it, they're entirely ignored. Right. Like the ancient Egyptians aren't here to defend themselves. And, I mean, the Aztecs technically are. But these people who have been living here for like millennia were like, we told you how we did it. Like, yeah. And now you continue to ignore us and like come up with all these fantasy theories about how this was done like yeah and so the problem is is that this can this just adds one more thing to already prevalent and awful racism mm-hmm. also so this is just like one more thing but then if you ever like questioned anyone about it and you're like why do you think that that's not cool well it's just aliens it's just a theory <laughs> right like you they they act like you like why are you how dare you bring this? that up like yeah how dare you bring that up it. And I found this really good article that put um, that like uh, someone wrote a piece about how ancient aliens is part of like anti-intellectualism. Yes. Which um, is really like a big thing with like Trump. Uh-huh. Like this it's idea- a really big problem right now in the it's world. It's a real big problem in America. And it's this idea that like, um, like me being stupid is or uneducated is just as valuable as you being educated. Well, and then there's the constant talk on Fox News of the liberal elites yeah. and how they're mm-hmm. trying to like brainwash your children mm-hmm. and brainwash your children. Mm-hmm. Like that's why no one wanted Michelle Obama to tell their kids to eat healthy. Like yeah. that was racism, but it's also this idea that like I'm just my ignorance. Yeah, my ignorance is just as good as your right. education and. It's like a huge problem, especially with Trump, because he's stupider than stupid. He spews lies constantly. Because he doesn't know anything. He knows <laughs> nothing. Yeah. So we're having a problem with 
anti-intellectualism, which actually goes really well with like totalitarian propaganda. And mm -hmm. so you were talking about propaganda bus. And so mm -hmm. the quote from this article was about how ancient aliens is part of a larger pattern in TV that's fed into this culture of anti-intellectualism, yeah. which in turn helps feed totalitarian propaganda. Mm -hmm. So um, this article says, mm -hmm. Hannah Arendt wrote that one of the strengths of totalitarian propaganda is not that it twists the truth, but that it ignores truth entirely. Mm -hmm. Its content for the members of the movement is no longer an objective issue about which people ha may have opinions, but has become as real and untouchable an element in their lives as the rules of arithmetic. It is the leadership's ability and willingness to swear knowingly to each new lie that allows the true believers that make up the body of the movement to forgo critical thought and mountains of contrary it's evidence. It's basically alternative facts. Like yeah. it's literally. Yeah. So it's that's, yeah, that's really interesting, especially when like the I think the real issue with like things like ancient aliens mm -hmm. and other things is that they're on television networks called things like the History Channel the History or Channel. Learning Channel. Yeah, National um, Geographic. They sound those channels make it sound credible, right? Mm -hmm. It's not. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's just really like. Especially when, like, this this article is also putting out, especially when they go for, like, more contemporary historical events, like, and say things like, was the Cold War really an orchestrated event intended to serve as a smoke stream for governments to harvest extraterrestrial technology? Like, fuck you. The Cold War assassinated one of our standing presidents, yeah. gave us our fucking dumbest president to date, yeah. like, and is ready to like the cold war is ready to destroy Reunite. any credibility that we have left in mm -hmm. the next like it's not a smoke screen for shit this is just like people who don't believe in the moon landing <laughs> uh, circling back to the alien thing um aliens yeah um lots of the the other side of creationists also though which Nancy and I's mother also sometimes believes in is that aliens came down and seeded the planet and we're actually half descended from aliens. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Is another A plus for creativity. Right. F minus for fucking dumb. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like creation. Tell me how you really feel me. <laughs> Sorry. I'm real fired up tonight, listeners. Um, so it's kind of like creationism, but I, I think of it, like, we've talked about this in the Alien episode, but, like, it's a combination of, like, creationism and, um, like, the clockwork universe. Like, things are set into motion. Um, mm -hmm. But, it's like, people have a it's, little bit understanding of evolution, right. but still aren't fully convinced it works. Right. <laughs> and just, like, the Neo, we need a Neo-mythology. Aliens have taken the place of a god, yeah. in this case. Um, but so still though, people are bypassing evolution and like how life actually started on this fucking planet four and a half billion years ago. So. Yeah. Um, should we play a game? Oh, I, Ooh, I think we should. Okay. okay. Um, so this game is called the Mandela effect. Mm. So oh. not only is it awful or frustrating that we have a lot of social, historical things in motion that make people susceptible to like doing all this crap with history. Okay. Ooh, ooh, can I explain the Mandela effect? Yes, you can. So not only did we have that, 
we also have our brains working against us, and Bess is going to explain why. <clears throat> okay, so the Mandela effect is something that happens in our human brains because I don't know if you guys, if you listeners knew this, but um, memory is one of the most fallible things hmm. that <clears throat> we have access to in our brains. So memory is real shitty. <laughs> and um, the Mandela effect gets its name because it's a phenomenon that happens um, where you misremember something and everyone else um, does. Too. A lot of other people also misremember the same thing. And sometimes this happens because like you mentioned it to someone and they're like, oh yeah, I remember that too. Like maybe they didn't, but now that you've planted that, that image in their mind, that memory, their brain sort of supports that. Um, so it's called the Mandela effect because <clears throat> for some reason, a lot of people all over the world, but I think especially in the United States, yeah, clearly remembered Nelson Mandela dying while he was in prison, which is not true. That did what? not happen. Yeah. George does not I've have this. I've never heard of this. But they remember hard. him dying in prison. Huh. Um, and so the, the quote unquote theory is okay. that the Mandela effect happens because two parallel universes have collided <laughs> and what you are from the other universe. And now we're all in this one universe and that's why people remember different things. So <laughs> the other one, I hope you're not gonna use this as your um, example or as one of your games game questions, Nance, because I'm going to talk about Berenstein versus Berenstain. Okay. Really quick. So as a children's librarian, this actually happened to me. I was sitting at the public service desk and this guy came up to me and he was like, um, he was like, Hey, do you have any Berenstein bears books? And I was like, yeah, we have tons of them. And he was like, how do you spell Berenstein? And I was like, B E R E N S T A I N Berenstein. That's how it's always been spelled. And he was like, well, I remember it being spelled. Berenstein, B-E-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. And I was like, well, okay. I mean, it was never spelled that way, but I can see how that would be like a mix-up. Um, and then he proceeded to talk to me about the Mandela effect for like 15 minutes before Man, he waning. <laughs> went upstairs to go watch YouTube videos about it. Jesus Christ. Um, anyway, so <clears throat> some people clearly remember the spelling of Berenstein Bears as B-E-R-E-N. I have to I N. That's not how it was spelled, but because Stein is such a common suffix to a last name, especially in America um, and some you know larger Jewish populations, um, people misremember because Baron Stein, which is the actual name um, and the name of San Jan Berenstain, who created the Berenstain Bears. Um, is not as common. Like when yeah. you just kind of glance at it, yeah. And your mind, not, your mind's not gonna be like, "Oh, that's an A, not an E." Especially because the um, the font for their logo is in cursive. Yeah. yeah. Wait, best back up a second. Did he go upstairs and watch a bunch of YouTube videos about the Mandela effect afterwards? Oh yeah, he told me that was what he was gonna do. Oh okay. Cool. <laughs> okay. Library right. patrons are a whole <laughs> separate topic. <laughs> oh, man. So my game is going to test whether or not you two are experiencing the Mandela uh, effect about some things. Okay. All right. Always. Okay. So how do you think 
that Oscar Mayer from the um, food, the, the lunch meats and hot dog brand is spelled. Um, last name. So, uh, I think it's M-A-Y-E-R. What do you think, George? I mean, going from memory off the package, it's M-E-Y-E-R. Uh, George? My baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. the Mandela effect. Because My baloney has a second name. It's M-A-Y-E-R. See? Yeah. Yeah, it's M-A-Y-E-R. That's how it's spelled. I love to eat it every day. And if you ask me why, I say... What? So Oscar Mayer has a way with the O-L-O-G-N-A. Yes. All right. Anyway, oh, sorry. All right. Okay. Sorry I for the, the I digression into okay. an old, old jingle. So <laughs> um, here's another one. How? What would you call the hit show from HBO starring Sarah Jessica Parker from, what? what's that show called? Sex in the City. Sex in the City. Oh, you both are wrong this time. Oh. It's Sex. And the city. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense that. though, because no, it's and. that makes sense though, because like when people say it really quickly, you just hear the mm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I can see how I would have misremembered that, and I never really, I never watched it, so wouldn't sex mm. in the city make sense as well? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, in the city. That's that's also true. Like your brain is like the logic around yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, um, does Rich Uncle Pennybags from the Monopoly game, does he have a monocle? Mm. No. No. Okay, you guys aren't experiencing it. A lot of people remember him as having a monocle. Yeah. But Mr. Peanut has a monocle. Yes. Like in the newer games. No. No, no. not even that? Yeah, okay. yeah you're no. right. Yes, you called it. It's because you, Mr. Peanut has a monocle. Yeah, you kind of conflate him with Mr. Peanut from yeah. the um, the Peanut packages you guys know what i'm talking about yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. um okay guys is the tip of pikachu's tail black it's brown no it's brown yeah it doesn't have anything on his tail no yeah i'm sorry oh yeah no that's true fuck (laughs) it's uh, his ears the tips of his ears are brown but yeah his tail his ears are black i am gonna go hang my head in shame now i can no longer call myself a pokemon professor Good day. I will, say, I will say the kids cartoon that played on WB Kids, not the best animation in the world. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to hear about it, first of all. You come okay. for my Pokemon, I will come for you. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, does Darth Vader say, Luke, I am your father? No. Like, no, he does not. He says, no, I am your father. I don't Good. know what he says, but I know he doesn't say that. He just says, he says, I am your father. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't say Luke. Yeah. 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 I think this, this game now is more of a tribute to our obsessive pop culture knowledge. Yeah, but I mean, that's the whole thing. That's like basically what the Mandela effect is about. It's about people misremembering random pop culture things and then being convinced that they're right. And (laughs) that instead of them just misremembering it, the only logical answer is that they are from an alternate universe that collided with our own. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Okay. So, um, uh, uh, Bess, this is a good question for you. George, Mm -hmm. also, I mean, Mm -hmm. okay. So. The movie with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt based on the Anne Rice book that star oh. that's about um vampires. What is yes. that movie called? 
Interview with the Vampire. I was going to say the Vampire Lestat. No, no, no. That's the cool. sequel. Oh, okay. Well, I don't What's know. The What's the movie? Oh, no, wait. Sorry. Interview with a Vampire. Okay. That's best. Yes. Story. Interview with a Vampire. It's actually called Interview with the, the Vampire. vampire? No, okay, that was my so first. Stupid. And it's, it's this art, this thing that I'm taking these questions from says that the most Googled thing is that is interview with a vampire. Like that's the most common misremembering of it, but it's the vampire. That makes sense. I read that book like 50 million (laughs) times, but you heard me, Anne Rice. (laughs) Fuck you. Okay. um, She did just write a book about Lestat and Atlantis. So what? (laughs) All right. All right. There's two very different reactions to that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, how is this is a good one to end on because okay. we're Battle Creek <clears throat> girls born and raised. Um don't say that. <laughs> how is what you ashamed of the creek? <laughs> <laughs> how is Fruit Loops spelled? L F R U I T L O O P S. How do you spell it? No, you guys spell the whole thing. F F R no. F R O O T L O O P S. Oh yes. Yeah, it's fruit loops. Fruit loops. That's bullshit, Kellogg's. Girl. You're just teaching kids how not to spell. <laughs> that was a good game, Nance. You're welcome. Yeah, A plus. Thank you. Um, All right, let's roll to a music break. Let's take a music break, and then we'll be right back. Soul steel. He was in a bind, he's way behind, he's willing to make a deal. When he came across some boy, sound on a fiddle and playing it hot. And the devil jumped up on a hickory stump, said, Boy, let me tell you what. And we're back. Did you miss us? Hello. I bet you did, but we played you some sweet tunes, so. You're welcome. Beats. All right, so that was an amazing game. Um, and I just wanted to throw in there that I've been reading this really great book that listeners might like to check out that's called. Um, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. And in it, he it's a book that's about how our brain processes information and then makes um, decisions based on the amount of evidence in front of us. So basically, it's this really long book that talks about how like our brains are really bad at statistics and we need to be like trained in mm-hmm. them in order to make really good decisions. Mm-hmm. But our brain uses shortcuts and fallacies to make decisions faster because life is really short and you don't want to spend the whole time making long decisions. But in it, he talks about how our brains actually do better the less detailed information we have because our brains are really good at forming a coherent narrative based on the information we have. And like the more detail or more information you give people, the less that they like it because then they can't make a nice, neat little story with it. Mm -hmm. People say that life is more complicated than stories or like there's more shades of gray Mm -hmm. and black and white. That's kind of what this is alluding to that like psychologically our brains do better when there's more like mystery because then we can create this nice little simple narrative for ourselves. So like the Mandela effect and people doing anti-intellectualism and all this stuff, like that's a very real psychological thing. People are in their comfort zone when they can make this nice little packaged up narrative that makes life easier. Well, so uh, 
yeah, just wanted to throw that little. Yeah, I mean, people do better when they have less choices. Also that, mm -hmm. yes. Another two revisionist history things that I kind of wanted to mention were how um, uh, more contemporary, which is 9-11. So oh, true things. There's a lot of conspiracy theories that are really awful around 9-11. Mm -hmm. um, but the weird thing to me is how they, like, they're not close to the truth, but they're in the same vein as the truth. So it's really confusing to me mm -hmm. because essentially what they found out from like the, the um, investigative committee into nine 11, you can like go check out a book of the, mm -hmm. they published the findings, they published the findings of the committee. And essentially <clears throat> what they found is that there was a lot of really strong chatter of terrorist activity before nine 11 happened. Mm -hmm. And there was a pretty good chance that, a lot of higher up people knew it was going to happen, but they didn't take it seriously. Mm -hmm. And it really, really did not look good for those people. Mm -hmm. um, they made a lot of errors. Um, but the problem is, is that you can say in hindsight that they should have taken that more seriously. Yeah. But people like that look at strong evidence of terrorist attacks every day. Mm -hmm. And they have to go based on their knowledge right. and their instincts. And, you know, like, it's yeah, it's just really easy to see success and failure in hindsight. Mm -hmm. Well, I think also when like the biggest 9-11 conspiracy theory, of course, everyone knows is George Bush did 9-11. Um, but I think what those people confuse is that like they're confusing George Bush did 9-11 or George Bush profited from 9-11. Yeah. Like yeah, in a major way. So right. like they're confusing the idea that Bush went to war in Iraq and Afghanistan with a, in Iraq, went to war in Iraq with no evidence, real evidence of weapons of mass destruction or any of evidence of the Iraqis having any part in 9-11. Mm -hmm. And he just did it anyway. Right. He used it as an excuse. Right. So these people who are 9-11 truthers, who I don't even give them credit for being this smart, but I can see how like in a vague way, they're confusing two different yeah, strains of thought about 9-11. Mm -hmm. And then the comical thing in a really dark way, I think a comical thing is that <clears throat> in a speech, George W. Bush was talking about people who criticized him for using no evidence to go into Iraq and start a, a horrible war. And, and that, that was awful. He, he said that those people who say that are revisionist history. people. Yeah. As, <laughs> it like, and, and they were saying it in a not positive way. And I found some writing by actual historians online where they were like, bullshit. Yeah. Like, that's what we found. He had yeah. no grounds. But that's... that's he, he should be on trial for war crimes yeah. and, like, all sorts well, of stuff. But that's... And then that's the thing, going back to Bess's thing about Rush Revere, is, like, Rush Limbaugh wrote that as a defensive thing. So that was hint George Bush being uh -huh. defensive against the pushback of people looking back and be like... <clears throat> you did that completely illegally like, right like yeah, Afghanistan, you're a real shitty person yeah right, right and afghanistan's a little fuzzier because we really didn't know where bin laden was yeah. and like but it still does not merit the no, entire yeah. invasion of a country yeah. right but I mean, yeah another one of that like 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 revisionist like but good revisionist sorry to go back to the geology but like 
I mentioned the Piltdown man before. So that's like mm-hmm. a positive thing where you correct the facts based yeah. on new information, right. which is why we can definitively say right. 9-11 was not an inside job, but there was a lot of like oversight that couldn't, that, that needed yes. to happen. Yeah. And also we can definitively say mm-hmm. that Bush came up with fake reasons to start a war mm-hmm. because he was hungry for oil. Yeah. So like that's, and then like, we can also look back and see that, you know, um, post like during reconstruction, which is the time period listeners right after the civil war in the U S mm-hmm. um, reconstruction um, was really just a restructuring of slavery, but yep. in different terms. Um, I don't really want to get into that because we could do a whole episode on that, mm-hmm. but a large piece of the rebranding of reconstructionism also came from birth of a nation, a movie. by It's, it's an awful movie because it essentially gave the Ku Klux Klan, the symbolism, um, and the notoriety and the the notoriety and the push. Well, they weren't even that big a deal until after this movie Mm -hmm. and they got like all their ideas for the burning cross, Mm -hmm. the hoods. It doesn't mean anything. It's all made up. It's all made up. It was made up by the director to just look cool. It doesn't mean anything, but they gave it this meaning and it gave them the okay and the rubber stamp to be like, whatever. Right. And, and I don't know how many people know this, but like Woodrow Wilson, this president at the time, it had came a out, screening. He mm-hmm. loved this movie. He yeah. had a screening at the white house. Yeah. And yeah. another aspect of like revisionist history surrounding slavery, a really big one, like just an anecdote is, um, one we learned as kids in school and it's like, Oh yeah. George Washington had dentures made out of hippo teeth and ivory. No, 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 no. His dentures were made from the teeth of his slaves. Yep. Yeah, they just pulled them out of their head. They were like, mm, he needs teeth. You don't need teeth, other human person mm-hmm. who has teeth in their head. But see, but all kids learned that he, oh yeah, his teeth were just made out of ivory. ivory. Or like wood. You sometimes hear yeah. that they were wooden. Or no. that um, Thomas Jefferson's slave, Sally Hemings, was his mistress. No. You can't be a mistress if when you're, you're a slave. slave. Yeah. You can well, only be raped. It's yes. just little little things, quote-unquote, like that just add up. And it's also compounded, I think, by, like, you know, lots of white teachers being feeling guilty or uncomfortable talking mm-hmm. about that very dark period of history and not knowing how to talk about it. And the textbooks don't help. Right. Yeah. So some, like, we, pe- more people need to be actively fighting against this right. negationist, revisionist. Yeah. Negative yeah. revisionist history. Right. For sure. Play a game. Ooh. Sure. I love that idea. Um, Should we take a music break? Yeah. Even better. Let me drop yeah. some sick beats. Do it! Us living as we do, upside down And the new word to have is revolution People don't even want to hear the preacher spill or spill Because God's whole thought has been thoroughly peeped And America is now blood and tears instead of milk and honey The youngsters who were programmed to continue bucking up Woke up one night digging Paul Revere and Nat Turner as the good guys and we're back. Hello. We're back. So we have to play a game. I do. Me, 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 me. So, I mean, we're blatantly borrowing this from, because 
because we have such an appropriate topic tonight, we're, we're taking this one from the Green Brothers, John and Kate Green. Kate Green. Um, it's called Evil Baby Orphanage. So tonight we're playing... Slash Bad Baby Jail. Yes. Who would you put in the Bad Baby Orphanage Jail? Yes. So, like, if you could... Besides the obvious ones. But, yeah. But if you could... So you're saying if we went back in time yes. and we could pick up any future bad person, but as a baby, yes. who would we snatch? <laughs> and then stick in the baby jail. Yeah, and put them in baby jail. Um, You should go first, George. All right. Um... Mm. Sorry, drinking water. This is on a lighter note than what we were just talking about, but uh, whoever invented glitter? (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm just, I just hate the fact that it's such a bad thing for the environment. I mean, I love glitter, except unless it's the kind that like sticks to your hands. Glitter is- So all glitter. But no, oh my God, no. I would kidnap glitter- man because you know a man made it actually you know i'm gonna look that up anyway i would kidnap the glitter inventor person. of glitter yeah okay what about biodegradable seaweed glitter well bless them and they can keep on keeping on <laughs> that's what lush puts in your bath bombs yay this we are not sponsored by <clears throat> but we would love to be Absolutely. yeah get at us lush get get us us up. Up. <laughs> um I, oh, I found him. I found him. Henry Rushman <coughs> was invented in 1934 by a New Jersey. Wow, cattle. that recently? A New Jersey yeah. cattle rancher, even. Weird. Um, use it for? I, I don't know. Would bad baby jail the heck out of Ayn Rand? Yes. <laughs> the look of pure joy, listeners, that crossed my face. <laughs> Um, she lock that bitch up. Yeah, she's a mean-spirited, horrendous person. She's um motivated so many fuckboys and Nazis, mm. and I hate so, her. And also Glenn Beck and yeah. Rush Limbaugh and all those motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. So none of that. She gets in bad baby jail. Uh-huh. Okay. What so I have two. Well, I have three. Okay. And I think they're all pretty great, so I'm gonna give. I'm gonna say all of them. Um, so my first one would be Thomas Jefferson. Yes. Absolutely, because he's a piece of shit. Alexander yes. Hamilton's ghost is so happy right now. <laughs> and um, then my second one would be Alex Jones. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> because the best one after Ayn Rand. He's, just baby in evil baby jail. <laughs> I know. He would like terrify all the other babies. He would cry so much his face would get real red. Uh, <laughs> um, that doesn't sound too different than now. I know, right? I, I was being I was being funny. It was a joke. Amazing. A jokey joke. Anyway. <laughs> Jokes. Yep, yep, yep. It was. And my third one, which is a little bit more lighthearted, would probably be Lisa Frank. <laughs> yes because she's a terrifying and terrible person yeah. like if you haven't checked it out listeners there's like an expose about what it was like to work for her mm-hmm. we'll link it on our facebook page it's and bizarre and awful yeah it sounds like a nightmare like unicorn world where like i don't know you're not allowed to be sad ever and you have to like deal with this crazy lady who's your boss 
But anyway, uh, so yeah, so I would also probably take the Frank and put her in Bad Baby Jail. I would like to also go back and say that I would really love to put Vladimir Putin in Bad Baby Jail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He'd be oh, the yep. swole baby in Baby Jail. <laughs> he would. He would be super swole. <laughs> And he'd want to yeah. ride around on a on a, a miniature pony with his shirt off, or but... on the shoulders of another baby. Yeah, that's probably right. But I just feel like that would be really satisfying. Well, baby Trump dressed up like a pony. Yes. <laughs> well, because you guys asked, and because Bass mentioned Lisa Frank, uh, modern glitter was, as we know it, was invented in 1934 by a New Jersey cattle rancher named Henry Rushman. Henry also dabbled as a machinist. This hobby led to the accidental discovery of a process that used a machine to precisely cut plastic films into thousands of tiny pieces. But, here's where geology comes in again. Things have been sparkly for much longer than that because of a special little rock known as mica. Yeah, mica. Crush mica up, it's very good. They found it in cave paintings. For mica. Mm Mm-hmm, yep. Because we like sparkly things. I like to see the glitters in my eyes. <laughs> so, um, don't put glitter in your eye. No, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I have another question for you guys. Sure. Mm-hmm. What historical uh, period did you romanticize when you were a child? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, so, go ahead. So, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm sure my our listeners know by now that I'm a giant nerd. And um, I, for a really, really long time, have been obsessed with um, Jane Austen and, like, the Regency period in England. So, like, around the time of the um, War of 1812. Yeah. And um, so Regency England is a thing, like, a time period that I super romanticized. and honestly still to this day do i'm a dues paying member of the jane austen society of north america and i'm not ashamed of that (laughs) yeah that's beautiful so i don't i don't think that that's super problematic especially because as a fan of jane austen she was fairly woke as far as that could could go yeah for her era she she knew what was up for sure Mm mm-hmm I was super into World War II to the point that's kind of embarrassing, <laughs> but I somewhat blame being like, like I remember my 11th grade history teacher who I found out later was like a conservative was oh, pretty yeah. like, like most curriculums in the U S are, are super nationalistic and they like unironically <clears throat> teach you about jingoism and shit. Like we don't do that. Yeah. Right. And, so, like, that just continued, like, my public school teachers were just so happy that I was so into history, and none of their students were ever so into history mm-hmm. that they, like, encouraged it, and I was, like, real into World War II. Like, I did an entire really well-done PowerPoint presentation <laughs> on the Italian front in World War II. Really? And I loved it. I was okay. loving it. Every that's moment. the most boring front. I know. That's why I did it, because nobody else oh did it. <laughs> And I had slides. I talked about the Italian resistance, how they fought the Nazis and the fascists. It was just too much. Um, And now I know that the war wouldn't have really been won unless Russia 
hadn't crushed it and we didn't barely do shit and we crushed we, it. We put a bunch of Japanese people in camps and took all of their land and their businesses and it sucked. And then irradiated an entire nation. Well, yeah, that too. And we murdered a bunch of people. And then we were like, you know what? We're going to ride this high for the next 90 or so years. And that's going to allow the Russians to elect the dumbest oh president we've ever had. God. So. All right, George, what was yours? Um, oh my god. I know, I know you were a civil oh war girl. Oh my god. Oh my god. I romanticized the civil war so bad. So bad. And it wasn't until I don't know. I just felt like I needed to dig deeper. Like, no, I know what it was. I watched the Ken Burns a Civil War documentary. Oh. And the How many hours is it? Just so everyone knows. Oh my god, I don't know. Let me look. It's at least 16 hours. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but there is a, a historian there. His name was Shelby Foote. <laughs> with an E. Um, Shelby with an E or Foote with an E? Foot with, with an E. e. <laughs> Um, I've clearly heard this story before listeners. Yeah. And I don't know. I just like, it made me realize like he was so, I don't know. He, he said a lot of things about the South that made sense. And like, and it made me realize that like, it wasn't just like, you know, we're taught on the surface that it's like, we went and fought and freed the slaves and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, it's more complicated more complicated than that in the sense that we're also taught to lie as kids that like oh the south didn't purely fight the civil war because they wanted to keep owning people they just wanted states rights right yeah. Yeah. so i think that was an early ingrained subconscious belief in me as a kid right. and also that northerners weren't racist right yes that, that was, was a big one too. i didn't know that until i well, i don't know how old i was i was like 14 or something no, but they neglect to mention that. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, they're works. like, oh, especially um, so. Growing up in Battle Creek is interesting because yeah, um, it was a pretty big hub in the Underground Railroad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think especially there, yes, we are kind of like tooting our own horn. Yeah, um, about how how awesome and like non racist we yeah. were. You would think some of the people I went to high school with thought. <laughs> house yeah well and then i didn't know the a bit i didn't learn this till college but there was a big series of riots in new york city um when lincoln instituted like his second or third draft of young men and they lynched several black people several black men because the that's riots. the reason that mm-hmm. they're being called up and yep. they don't want to be called up yeah or just because they that's what happened in chicago with the housing like when they integrated mm-hmm. housing there was a huge riot anyway the but i'm glad you came around right. george i did and now i appreciate it even more for the sense like because of your love of newt gingrich books yes okay fine you <laughs> said it <laughs> yeah no um <laughs> No, I just like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's like Bess's love of Jane Austen kind of like a little bit nostalgia for how I felt about it, but now I know better and it's like, yeah, it was not a chill time. (laughs) Right. Way not chill. Um, Something all not that chill happened. (laughs) Um, Ken Burns, the Civil War is 11 and a half hours long. So I was close. Yeah. (laughs) 
not you know 15 11 same <laughs> thing <laughs> um all right gang good to know did we answer our question I think we scratched the surface. It's such a big question that I don't think we quite knew what we were tackling when we decided to do this topic. I agreed Um, as the person who favored the topic. I was like, before we started this broadcast listeners, I was like, best George. I don't think I, (laughs) I did not, I did not think I was, I did not think this through. (laughs) A moment that she bared her soul to us. (laughs) She did. I was like, I think there's, I was like, I'm getting links for anti-intellectualism, which I don't even know where to start. And well, but, but we've got a good start. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And I think this is definitely something we can come back to and talk more about um, in a different time. Yeah, for sure. And like, our question was, why do people rewrite history? And we didn't cover like one aspect of it. One reason people rewrite history is because they feel attacked. Yeah. Right. And I think, you know, we did talk about like, the good aspects of revisionist history where people are revising history to give a voice to people who were at the time voiceless. Right. And I think that's really important too. So, I mean, we covered definitely a few reasons that people revise history. Yeah. Or to get the facts right with new technology. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it for now and we can keep, we can keep digging into it. mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Internet high five, guys. Woo woo. Um, ah, crispy. <laughs> um, nice fully work, guys. Thank you. <laughs> so, we're gonna now recommend to you things that are not Newt Gingrich books. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, That's the only thing I have. <laughs> Bess is gonna kick us off. Yeah. So, um, one of our favorite podcasts here at the Triple Hoax that we have lovingly stolen a couple games from is called I Don't Even Own a Television, um, hosted by Jay Friedman and Chris Collision. And they are amazing. And it's uh, an amazing podcast. You should all check it out. Um, they read bad books and then they talk about them. And they did an episode about the Rush Revere books. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And you can hear all about Liberty the Talking Horse. So pissed off the whole time. Oh, it's so great. Anyway, so that's my rec is uh, go look up. I don't even know television if you haven't already because we plug them like crazy. Uh Um, And listen to their um, episode about Rush Revere. Y'all have to pay attention to us eventually. (laughs) Yeah. Notice us. (laughs) All right. um, So my rec is. Wait, was that your only rec, Bess? That was my only rec. Okay. Um, so my two recs... I shouldn't have phrased it like that. I'm sorry. I meant... No, that's okay. <laughs> I knew what okay. you meant. Okay. All right. So my I'm rec... Sorry. My rec <laughs> is twofold. We're leaving this in. Oh, no! No! Um, my first rec is a book called A People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. Um, mm. And it's really interesting because we talked at the beginning of this episode about looking at history through the lens of different people and in different from their, like how they lived through different periods of history. Um, Howard Zinn's book is pretty long, but it's <clears> a great book that talks about the history of the U S through um, the stories of people who haven't been in power. So um, black people, um, women, children, um, the disabled, like anyone who's never really been on the top of the pyramid in terms of founding America, running our government, running our businesses, having civil rights, having civil rights. 
Um, he just really like digs in and does a really amazing job talking about what that was like truly, because a lot of times in history books, it's kind of like, Oh, well, and everyone who was being bossed around by white men was happy and mm-hmm, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of like, no, nah, man. Or like so, one protest happened and then everything was okay. Exactly. Everything exactly. So, um, go check that book out because it really like, talks about a lot of truths that we definitely don't learn about in school. Um, and then the other thing, I actually just discovered it. Um, I haven't listened to it, but I like him as an author. So I'm sure the podcast is great. Um, Malcolm Gladwell has a podcast that's literally called revisionist history. Mm -hmm. And each episode, he talks about a different moment in history that didn't actually happen the way that everybody believes in like pop culture. Mm. Um, uh, or like people don't remember quite accurately. And he's like, why is that? And he gets into it. Um, he wrote this book called blank. That's super good. So that's the one I read and that's how I know yeah. the podcast is going to be awesome. So those are my two. George, do not say <laughs> never call it. So, uh, we didn't really talk about this, but, um, Obes did some when she talked about like queer people during world war two. Um, but there is a lot of revisionist negative n- negationism in queer history because lots of people like to pretend that queer people didn't exist until like mm, 1976 or something, whatever. But um, listeners, there's a great book I just discovered that's called Black on Both Sides, A Racial History of Trans Identity Ooh. by Riley C. Snorton. <laughs> Um, that's a great name. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, uh, it goes into a very deep, rich history of, um, black trans people, like stretching back to 1700s. Um, so that's, that's awesome. This kind of book is what Bess was talking about. Positive revisionists, you know, giving people a voice who didn't have a voice before. So yeah. Sweet. Good wreck, George. Thanks. So I'm ready and willing and excited to (laughs) introduce another new segment that sometimes will replace Hometown Hoedown Third Round called Florida Man. So Florida Man, the segment, is just about weird and wacky shit out of the state of Florida Mm. that is relevant to the day's topic. So... I would like to call everyone's attention to Coral Castle Museum. Oh. So, um, basically what the Coral Castle says that they are is that they're a place where you can see. um, So, okay. So this is the blurb. We invite you to tour our sculpture garden in stone built by one man, Edward Leedskelman. He's from Latvia is what the website says. Okay. From 1923 to 1951, Ed single-handedly and secretly carved over 1,100 tons a scary. of coral rock. And his process has created one of the world's most mysterious accomplishments. Uh-huh. Open every day, the Coral Castle Museum welcomes visitors from around the world to explore this enchanting South Florida destination. Every goddamn day. Uh, so, um... He apparently started building this coral castle thing after his wife died. Mm. Um, 
with he okay so the website claims that he had no outside assistance or large machinery uh, he hand carved and sculpted a, a thousand one hundred tons of coral rock as a testimony to his lost love agnes they said his he work sounds is like a wacky artistic edgar Allan poe but the thing is they're saying is that he that he was just over five feet tall and weighed only a hundred pounds what and it said the coral in some areas can be up to four thousand feet thick incredibly sweet. incredibly he cut and moved huge coral blocks using only hand tools oh. i don't think okay I, it's not real. So this is the kind of shit that they say about people oh. who built the pyramids. Oh. He didn't secretly do any of the shit. You know, you know what I think it was, Nancy. What? Aliens. I think aliens helped him. Yeah, okay, so it said how did Ed move all these carvings a distance of 10 miles? Aliens. aliens. He didn't own a car. He rode a bicycle. No one ever saw Ed loading or unloading oh his trailer. He did most of his work at night by lantern light. Okay. And when and was this? Protect, and, and to help protect his privacy, he built numerous lookouts along the castle walls. What the fuck? The coral walls weighed 125 pounds <clears throat> per cubic foot. What? Okay, well, so, like... When questioned about how he moved the blocks of coral, Ed would reply that he understood the laws of weight and leverage well. Okay, so maybe... Oh my god, this is even worse. It says, this man with only a fourth grade education even built an AC current generator. Okay, so we're believing that this white man who had a fourth grade education is able to build this, but adult Egyptians couldn't figure... With, like amazing engineering knowledge couldn't have built the pyramid. Right. That's what we're well, saying. Well, and also, like, this is, like, ridiculous, because this could be, like, an Easter Island thing. Yeah. Where he moved all this stuff because he does understand physics. True. And he just rocked. Like, he had people help him, but, but no one ever saw right. them. Well, the point is that, like, we're very eager to believe that this crazy white man did all this all by himself. Right. That's true. But people think he had, like, a mysterious magic powers or something. Sure. What? And, like, he could summon aliens. I would, like, well, what's another, what's another reason? Like, what, what sort of, like, what if he hired illegal people, like, illegal, like... Immigrants? Uh, like, people who weren't citizens Undocumented? to help... Undocumented citizens to help him. And that's why no one ever saw those people Maybe. that helped him. Because... I mean, when, when did he build this? from he was like weirdly obsessed about it uh la, 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 la. when did the thing say he built it 1923 to 1951 was illegal immigration a like huge deal then i don't know mm -hmm. i don't know maybe he had hobos help him it was during mm. the depression it could have been but back then because back then hobos were kind of like riffraff like yeah they would be driven out of town and stuff even though would you say street rats yes mm. i would so like maybe he just had people who like nobody paid attention to help him could be like there's there's so many <clears throat> in different mm -hmm. ways i feel like we need to investigate this further Listeners, I think you should, in addition to sending us to the Creationist Museum, uh, send us to the Coral Castle in Florida. I could yeah. use a trip to South Florida yeah. right now. Hell yeah. <clears throat> 
Um, so yes, this concludes our first segment of Florida Man. Florida Man. Yeah. Woo. All right. Great episode, well, y'all. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we appreciate you sticking with us, even though we had some bouts of illness that caused some delays. Um, <clears throat> it's flu season everywhere. Get your flu shot. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook. We are uh, the Triple Hoax Podcast. Uh, like up our page. It'll be a sweet time, I promise. If you want to email us, you can do that at the triple hoax at gmail.com. You can find us on letters. Yeah. You all, um, you can find us on Tumblr at the triple hoax. Um, you can read Nancy's notes, which is a pretty fun blog segment that Nancy has been doing. Yes. You can read about ghosts and aliens. Yep. You can find us on Twitter at the triple hoax. And, uh, Go rate and review us on iTunes. Leave us a five star rating and tell us why you uh did you help the Florida man build the Florida <laughs> castle? Yeah, tell us if you helped the Florida man. Give up your secrets. <laughs> and also go find us wherever you listen to podcasts, podcast addict, stitcher, um podcast bean. Yes. Or podbean, yep. That's it. Thank uh, you. Pocket casts. I'm useless. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not useless, George. Thank you. Um, so yeah, anywhere you listen to fine podcasts, we are there. And um, thank you so much for listening and sticking with us. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. We love you. Bye. 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 The journey didn't happen in their heads. It wasn't something ethereal. It wasn't something spiritual. It happened extraterrestrial contact took place in Indonesia thousands of years ago.